0: morning, everyone. Good to see you. I think we'll... How are we? Doing all right out there? How's everybody holding up? Front row, doing okay? Um, the recording is recording, so anything you say can and will be used against you. I was just told this thing is actually edited. He edits this before he posts it anywhere. So now, if you thought I was free of tongue earlier, I'm really going to let it fly now. You <laughs> can... I didn't know he edited the st- Now I'm wondering what he makes me sound like after the thing's over. <laughs> Can't incoherent sentences everywhere. And, no. All right. Uh, welcome to the Bible study. We're studying Genesis. We're on chapter 21. Good to have you guys with us. Good to see faces familiar and familiar among us. Um, we've been taking about a chapter a week here of Genesis. 21's ones on the docket today. Lots to do there. It's not a short chapter, is it? Basically three sections. You'll see we finally have the birth of Isaac and then that, another Hagar-Ishmael incident and then this business with Abimelech, which really intrigues me and I, I really hope to get to. So I might shortchange the first of these and, and uh, well, we'll see how it goes. Let's, let's begin with a, a word of prayer. We pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning, and though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Christ Jesus, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. It did bring to mind a little bit of, of chapter 21 here with this provision in the wilderness kind of fits well with the sermon too doesn't it the sermon and the readings today um genesis we're so what should we say genesis just real quick last week was our introduction to abimelech has tried a fascinating study. It is not at all coincidental that his name is what it is. It doesn't really make sense if you ask me. He's a Philistine king, but he's got a Semitic name. And I just... I mean, the Bible's trying to pull a quick one on you, and you have to stop it and say, no, no, something's going on here. Um, the Ahi Raham that we know, that's the Abraham. And that's the father of many, father of many nations. And now we get the Melech, which is the father that is the king. And... Uh, we saw his kingship when he, I suppose, pleaded and interceded and, and so on, preached to his people, basically turned into a bishop in the last chapter. Um, it's kind of an amazing, amazing account there. Um, when the Ahi Melik starts to look like the Ahi Raham. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. OK, when the, when the, my king, my father is the king, kind of the head of the government over there. And all of a sudden he's looking a lot like the Ahi Raha. And that's going to continue. This is an amazing thing. This is an amazing part of Genesis as you go through. Genesis definitely has a progression. So Abe gets the call in 12 and then it's only after the call comes. Then we have the, the cutting of the covenant. And then it's after that where he's told to walk before me and be blameless. Then it's after that he has to sacrifice Isaac and so on. It's not like the sacrifice of Isaac is first, and if you pass all these tests, then I will cut a covenant with you. There was a progression there. At the same time, as we've seen, Genesis is very cyclical. Why another sister-wife thing all of a sudden? We had that back in chapter 12, you know? Come on now. And there are three of them, right? There are three sister-wife accounts. The reason why you have three sister-wife accounts, the reason why Lot is such a tag along, he messes up again and again, worse every time and still grafted in, right? Uh, the reason why you have these, these moments of Gentile prioritization, as I've called it, you, the reason you have all of this is that it's, it's also a very cyclical narrative. We are at every chapter hovering around one central promise, one Lord, one faith, the Christian faith, one church, the eternal church that lives in both heaven and earth at the same time. One subject matter. That's why you get the same stuff all the time. Only now everything is, the stakes are raised as you go along. So in 12, it's what? Famine, go down to Egypt, it's kind of short, and then you're out. Well, um, now in 20, it's what? There's another wife-sister thing, but everything's kind of, the stakes are all raised now. That That sacrifice that you need to do for the sake of the gospel is still as lively and present as ever as it was in 12, uh, in, in 20. And the, the really the amazing part of where we are in Genesis is what we're learning more, we've already seen kind of, let's say, sacrifice for the sake of God's central promise of the seed to come and so on. And by the time you get to chapter 20, especially, and we're going to look at 21 with this Abimelech character, is how the sacrifices, the suffering of God's people, how the gospel spreads through the suffering and sacrifices of God's people last week we started to look at that last week we had Abimelech and do you see how the, the language is beautiful you see all, all the times I was talking to the pastor about this I just I can't get this I listening to the study last week I thought now this is this is great last week, listen to all the you remember Abimelech, what this happens when he's asleep got the dream thing, right Uh, you have talk of a wife and taking a wife you have this, don't touch or you will surely die you have all that, what have you done sound familiar? this is all Genesis 3 stuff all over again but now the situation is this, God's people you might say are the forbidden fruit Okay, touch them and you will surely die, the Lord says to Abimelech. And he, in a way better than Adam, says, I have done this and I have not done this. The Lord says, I know, that's because I withheld you from doing it. <laughs> uh, and it's done in the integrity. I, I did not do that, and I've also acted the way I did in the integrity of my heart. And uh, Abimelech basically converts I mean, Luther calls him a bishop and all this, Abimelech. This is an opportunity. This is what has happened. Abe, the ch- chosen people, the church. Oh man, we have to choose between death and death once again. And and because of that, all sorts of by the by the end of twenty, you can look just by quick. Re- Abe, Abimelech is doing what? He's preaching to all of his people. He's bringing sacrifices here. Do you guys need these for the church? Take them. Bunch of dumb sheep. Anyway, here you go. All right, he gives them sheep. He gives them cattle. That's what verse fourteen of chapter twenty. That's stuff you can use in the in the Passover, by the way. Same language later in Deuteronomy. Okay, he gives them ties. Here's a bunch of cash. He gives them converts. Here's servants. He gives them a bunch of Amaz, which is what Hagar is. Abimelech. He gives. He's here's an offering. Here's your sacrifices. Here's a bunch of Hagar's. Sojourners servants. Abimelech brings them all to the church, and Abe prays for them, and all the wombs are opened. He might have been praying for his own wife for over a quarter century, but whose wombs are opened first? The Gentiles. Genesis never lets you get away from the fact that as soon as God picks someone or chooses one brother over another, he blesses the unchosen in a way that's unique and not even experienced on the chosen line. So you can't ever run with the book and say, oh, it's just about one line. It's just about one people. We're going to see that more here in 21. But every time he picks, and this is what, why does Cain get a special mark and not Abel? You know, Or why does, why does Yepheth get all the, all the blessing? It was Shem's idea. it wasn't even, Yefeth wasn't even, it wasn't even his idea. Shem, he was just a tag along. Yepheth gets more blessing than Shem. That doesn't make any sense. Shem's the chosen line. What about Lot, too? He didn't, you know, he gets worse and worse as you go along. All these moments where were that unchosen line what? angel of the Lord! Hagar sees the angel of the Lord first. No, that doesn't make any sense. That should be Sarah in the chosen line. They should get the angel of the Lord. We're gonna see that again today. Why is the angel of the Lord only, only appear to the unchosen line? Maybe they're not so unchosen. Maybe the unchosen is exactly the chosen after all, as in, this is totally Israel. Ishmael, you're going to be a wild donkey of a man. You're not going to be Isaac. Israel's a wild donkey of a a nation. That's Israel. The unchosen is like the worst side of the chosen, that God may be all in all. Never was an in-house Israel-only project after all. Chapter twenty-one. Boy, we didn't even get to it today. I guess that's our study. No, just kidding. <laughs> How about this? A very quick look at the first chunk, and then we're going to study more closely the second and the third. The birth finally happens. Look at twenty-one. God visited. This is Exodus language. He visited His people. You can hear that when he we hear that New Testament too, doesn't he? Uh, Zechariah, you know, that's kind of he visited, redeemed His people. He finally visited Sarah according to what he said. And he did for Sarah according to what he spoke. According to what he said, according to what he spoke, she conceived, gave birth to Abram, a son, in his old age, at the appointed time, according to what he said. Should we say that again? According to what he spoke, according to what he said. All these different words for speech. Word, saying. Uh yeah, word. <laughs> How many times can, I, this is miraculous, this birth is awesome. But remember, maybe the greatest miracle here is the Lord speaks and he calls into existence something that did not exist. Babies are great and they're cute, but the word will not return empty. So you hear all this emphasis on, this happened exactly as God said. Abe was 100 years old in verse 3 when he gave birth, or when Sarah gave birth to him, Isaac, um, they circumcised him according to the commandments. So there's another word there for word, which is kind of awesome because all this happened according to what Lord, the Lord had said, and now they act in accordance with what the Lord has said, which is the Christian life. You get a word, it calls you out of darkness like it did for Abe. You didn't do anything to initiate that or hasten that or whatever. It is what it is. And yet, he continue, now that you've been called out, he continues to live by that word. So they circumcise him. They circumcise him. And um, let's see. The age there, let's see, verse 6. This is, a, this is a good moment here in verse 6, what Sarah says. God has made laughter. Yidzak is the name there. Isaac. God has made uh, Yidzak for me. Everyone hearing this will yidzak to me, for me, with me, at me? Will they yidzak at me? You're darn right they will. Is laughter gospel or law? Is laughter good news or bad news? Well, you'd, I mean, you'd take a look in Genesis, and it's definitely a both-hand. It's kind of an amazing I mean, that's what she she couldn't help but laugh. I had this one of my uh, mom's sister, mid forties, upper forties. For all of her thinking, uh, the childbearing years were done, and then what happens? Oh my surprise! She tells me about this At first. I mean, she she's. I mean, I just couldn't couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And she just sat there, she said, the first thing I did is just, I kind of just chuckled, kind of just chuckled, like. (gasps) (laughs) And then, of course, a variety of emotions then overtake and all this. So she told me about that, like, what am I going to do? And I said, well, I mean, I'll tell you what you're going to have to do here. I was pretty serious, and that is even if this baby's a girl, you're going to have to name her Isaac. I <laughs> mean, I don't see any way around this. You're a Bible-believing Christian. Here, we got to, you know the scripture. You search the scriptures. Well, I'm, I'm, I've searched them too. This is an Isaac. Turned out to be a girl, not named Isaac. But she did laugh, and this laughter is not exactly a clear-cut thing. She'll be laughed at in two verses, and it's total mockery. It's total mockery in two verses, um, or three, or whatever it is, verse 9. This is, uh, you know, theology of the cross in one word, you might say, this yidzacking. Sarah says, God has made this for me. And she also says, who would have said, yeah, this is verse 7, who would have said another different word for speech? I mean, can we cover all the grounds for word? We lived by this word for all the 25 years. Um, who would have said that Sarah you know this is also, this is a fascinating word, this nursing word. who would have said that Sarah would be nursing at her old age the The point is the offense now you guys this is this is how it 's taught it's like well the the miracle is that she had the kid right What Sarah brings to mind here what Sarah and how she speaks and how Oh, this is going to be awesome. I just see how our... Did you see what the antiphon did to us today? Um, she wants to point your attention to the fact that she's also nursing. Okay, now, again, 90 years old, and you're thinking about, okay, right? Um, the scandal is that nourishment also happens here okay you could just well the baby's born that's what that was a whole thing and sarah exclaims with this language that you're going to see in isaiah about holy mother church you're going to see this language this morning in the antiphon oh it's good when the liturgical stars align especially when you're teaching bible study it gives you something to talk about and that is rejoice with jerusalem be glad for her all you who love her that you may nurse you, you know, you, we had this this morning, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breasts. This is straight out of Isaiah, it's, it's the language of being nourished in a way that the the world will yidzak at. They will look at that and say, can you possibly, t- you were nourished in body and soul unto everlasting life with water and bread and wine and so on. Okay. Who would have thought, Sarah says, that that Sarah would be nursing, that, that this would provide this nourishment in this old age? Everybody's going to look, they're going to yidzak, they're going to say, too old, too outdated, too boring, too many empty pews. That's what they're going to say. And yet, the psalmist sing about it and pray about it and so on lots to say I better get moving to the next section questions comments on this first little birth of Isaac I know I just went real quickly through that how about a volunteer read that next chunk this protection of Hagar and uh, Ishmael 8 to 21 in a nice booming voice 8 to 21 who wants to do it oh my David thanks go
1: ahead And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne, to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the Lord and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and along with the child, and sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite of him, opposite of him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child, and she sat opposite him. She lifted her lifted up her voice and wept. Then God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Haran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt.
0: Okay, thank you. There's a lot of dying and rising in Genesis. And we're going to see that here in a magnificent way because it starts with What? It starts with the birthday cake and the balloons. The child grows and is weaned. They make a great feast on the day that he was weaned. Kind of a big deal, not just because we need to get into ancient Near Eastern nursing and weaning habits, of which, I mean, how much are we told? He he grew, he was weaned, and they made a big feast. The significance there is... Just like this yidzacking and just like this. um, Yeah, the yidzacking and the nursing. The weaning is also significant for contentment. It's the psalmist who says, like a weaned child with its mother, so my soul is within me. It's kind of amazing. Psalm 131 does this, doesn't it? And It's like this, uh, like a weaned child with its mother. You're still with the mama. <laughs> weaned, but still with the mama. Um, the nourishment that you've received that maybe the world has yidzaked at is actually everything you needed. Um, you came in with all sorts of burdens on the soul and yet... Like a wean child with its mother, so is my soul within me now. Um, the world may yidzak all at once, but the restlessness within was only calmed by this particular nourishment from Holy Mother Church, if you allow the language. Um, it's a huge thing. It means, as the the hymnist writes, it means I'm content. Huge party. Sarah, however, sees, oh dear, Hagar the Egyptian, we haven't had Hagar in a while. Chapter 16, Hagar, I think, is Hagur. She is the gur. She is the sojourner. She is the, yeah, gur, the one who is in the midst, drawn in, grafted in, no merit or worthiness on her part that's why her name is what it is she is the gur, she's the sojourner she tells you a thing or two about how God's chosen people are grafted in themselves I mean that's the whole thing is that well you're an outsider and then we're the privilege and then the more you study Hagar the more it's like oh that's us that's the chosen line all, that's called out of darkness that's the chosen line too strangers and alien to the covenants and promises. Think Romans language. That's us too. She sees the son of Hagar this time. So before, Hagar was blessed with conception in verse 16, and she looks over at Sarah and thinks, well, I mean, the Lord gave me better roommates than you, therefore I'm a, I'm a better person than you, or whatever the thing is, right? She looks in contempt, and she gets kicked out. Here the son is doing what? Zahaking. Yitzaking. This is persecution. This is attacking the the yid. This is yeah the mockery. What is he, What do you have in the ESV? Is it, you just have laughing, which is probably fine and good, with a footnote possibly laughing and mockery. Um, the point is, <laughs> the point is that it's, it's an it's an attack on the yidzak. It's an attack. It's it's the kind of laughter that is an attack on God's. Yidzak, his plan, his his line there. Ishmael, buddy, you are not Isaac, so stop Yidzaking. Okay, that's the kind of point there. Do not overstep your status here. All right, this is kind of, well, it's straight out Romans, isn't it? This kind of like the Jew-Gentile thing where it's kind of like, you go easy for a minute there, but you know, they start... You guys blew it. You know, the Gentiles, you guys blew it. You're the chosen people. And then they, you know, this kind of easy. Both sides, easy. You guys did blow it, by the way. But hey, you guys, strangers and aliens to the covenant, you know, easy on both sides. This is when one side starts to get a little bit. Okay, so that's a problem. There's persecution there. On the other side, there's, there's another huge problem, and that's what Sarah does. And that is drive out. This is the word for kick out of Eden. Get out of Eden. This is what the Lord does. Not Sarah, but she tells Abram to do this. Drive out the woman. By the way, what did she do? I thought the son was yidzacking. She first mentions the woman. Not a name, even though she has a name. Right? Totally denied her name. She's nameless to me. Drive out the woman. Same word that Abimelech just, just brought a bunch of these to the church. Sarah says, kick them out. Kick them out like God kicked Adam and Eve out of Eden. Kick them out. Kick them out. Oh, the son too, who has a name, but not given a name here, they're dead to me. They will not possess, that's the word of the promised land, chapter 15, they will not inherit. Kick them out of the church. They will not have what's been promised to us. And my son Yitzhak who has a name Isaac Abe sees this as exceedingly evil same word used in Lot Sodom was evil this is exceedingly evil this sin on Sarah's part is worse than the sin in Sodom you follow the language here this is worse than Sodom what Sarah is doing it was a sin on Ishmael's part. You, don't, you, you are not Isaac. You are not Isaac. And Sarah does something that for Abe is worse than Sodom. This is exceedingly evil. And um, God then says, however, do not look at this as evil in your eyes on a kind of this young, young man. By the way, Ishmael is how old by now? This is a beautiful part of this narrative. Every time God speaks of Ishmael, he calls him a lad, but the others call him a child. Um, Ishmael is like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen—not a baby anymore, right? Isaac's the baby. Ishmael is a, this is a lad. I'll say more about that in a second. Don't be—don't look at this as evil, Abe, because uh, the lad and your woman, your this maidservant. Um, Everything which she says to you, you can do. Listen to her voice. Oh man, same stuff in Genesis 3 again. Only this time, go ahead and listen to her voice. Because I'm about to work life in the midst of death. The language of 12 and 13, very fascinating. For in Isaac will be called for you Zerah. I have a plan. Go ahead and allow this. Abe, Abe, you see this, this is exceedingly evil, this is terrible, I should not do this. It has death written all over it. Go ahead and do this, because it has something to do with how I will fulfill a Zarah for Isaac. How will you do that? Listen to verse 13. Also, or even the son of the woman, I will set for a great nation, which is exactly the language he used for Abraham himself, uh, because, or for, I would just say, for he is your Zerah. God calls Ishmael your Zerah. I thought Isaac was the seed. I thought Isaac was the seed the whole time. Abe is told that somehow, by casting them out, somehow this will fulfill the promise promised to the Zerah of Isaac. Because Ishmael is your Zerah, somehow by doing this, the Zerah will have, this Zerah, Ishmael, this seed, Ishmael, will have life in Isaac's Zerah, his offspring, if I send him to death. And God just approved this. You've got to send him out. This is how he will live in Isaac's Zerah. You must send him to death. You know what that means? What that means is long before there was a sacrifice of Isaac, there was the sacrifice of Ishmael. Put him, put him to death. Okay? Put him to death, and Hagar's going to have to put him to death too. So he gets up early in the morning. By the way, that's why all this language is similar to the... The account we know very well is the sacrifice of Isaac. Abe gets up very early in the morning. Isaac is called a lad. All the language is already here with with Ishmael. This is another moment of Genesis where just when you thought, like, oh man, it's all that chosen line and I love him. And that sacrifice from Isaac, that's the best chapter. He's already done all this. And it's with Ishmael. And that language that you know well from 22 is already here all over the place in 21. He gets up early in the morning. That same thing he'll do with Isaac, right? And... He puts on them. Uh, he gives her bread, water, skin, and so on. And everybody has a big problem with this because uh, because he puts he gives to to Hagar and he sets upon her shoulder the lad who's I thought like maybe fourteen years old and. Of course, he plays football for the area high schooler. He's an offensive lineman. He benches three fifty and he weighs two seventy five. Okay, but it's on her shoulder, Hagar. I'm sure she yeah, 110 pounds and she's four foot eleven. No, just um, but this is the kind of shouldering that I don't know. I mean, elsewhere in Genesis, the the guys have to shoulder the the garment for Noah. You know, you got to shoulder what you shoulder in order to. This is what's been placed upon her. I think that's the point. Yeah, it sounds kind of whoa, fourteen-year-old going on the shoulder. But the point is, this is a burden. This is a. He is an offensive lineman. This is a burden, and God's. And sorry, uh, what is this? Abe stretches out or sends her to wander, like Abe was wandering around in Gerar, the place of sojourning, the church. Every every age of the church will have its Gerar. The place of sojourning. That's what chapter 20 was. Now he sends that, now he forces that upon Hagar and Ishmael. They have to wander around in the wilderness of Beersheba. Um, let me pause for, I'm just kind of rolling through. Did I miss any hands or we're doing okay? Yeah, go ahead. Jordan, is that you? Go ahead. Yeah. Plus the, the red. Yeah. Should our minds be going that
1: direction? You got a lot going for you.
0: Um, in fact, guess what happens when the water's gone, Jordan in 15? She shellocks him. You know what that means. Ledford, you know that word, don't you? you. This, old cha- this chair's done. What do you do with it when it's done? <sighs> World strongman style! The shallock, the shallocking. You gotta shallock that thing out of here. It's old. Uh, you throw it. Like the babies are thrown in the Nile in Exodus. Right? And like the Yeah, you brought up the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Sacrifice of First Point. There's a lot of Exodus stuff lingering in the background. Whoa. Okay. She throws, what does the English do? Probably places him or something nice, right? What does it say? She kindly, gently lays him down like a newborn. No, she threw him. (laughs) And that's to get us thinking about the kind of text that Jordan brought us up. She shallocks him. See ya. She shallocks him. Under one of the bushes, I mean, that's another thing, Jordan, I guess, the bush, burning bush. Some of this Exodus stuff is going to, you have the bread, you have the firstborn, you have this. But the other thing, Jordan, I think is huge, and that is, she's going to have to, she's going to have to give up. She's going to have to sacrifice him, too. She's going to, this is the only way that you're going to be able to live. You're going to have to, are you willing to take your, your son, your only son, whom you love, Hagar, and... uh and cast them off. Abe, can you do that? Okay. Hagar, can you do that? Right? Abe, we're going to come back to you in a minute. Abe, next chapter. Right? Uh, And then, of course, Jordan, your point on the firstborn and the sacrifice and the, oh, my. Okay. So by one of the bushes, and she's like, a bow shot away. It's just kind of neat, this kind of language of bow. He'll end up being a bowman. man. Um, he loses his house, right? But he ends up gaining a... What? They get kicked out of house, but they get a heavenly home, I guess you could say. Or this is the Zerah, the offspring that is put to death first in order to live and be Zerah. I think I'd put it that way, if that makes sense. You have this. This is the way to life. This is the way to life. Do you believe me, Abraham? Do you believe me that you're going to have to this? I'm going to make a great nation out. It's going to be something that's going to fulfill promises I made to you. But you got to kill them first. You got to send them away. Are you willing to do that? And he does. And now Hagar gets her test. Don't let me look upon the death of the child. That's when you know she's. It's that's Hagar with the hand stretched out to slay her son. Don't let me look on the death of the child. That's what we're going to have in the next chapter. And before she, before that happens, it's the angel of God comes again, which is exactly what's going to happen with Isaac. Abraham, Abraham, right? Angel of the Lord calls from heaven. This all happens to Hagar first, okay? Uh, And the significance, again, is this is the Christian life. The dying and rising daily, it's not just a one-off. Oh man, that sacrifice to Isaac thing, that was what a chapter. I'm glad that's not me, and glad that that's not the Christian faith. No, that's exactly at the heart and center of who we are. This daily killing of the old man, the old self. Take they our life, goods, fame, child and wife, you know. Okay. She lifts up her eyes, guess what? It was Was it there the whole time? She just couldn't see it? Like the ram lifts up his eyes. There's the ram. Now Hagar lifts up her eyes. She's a well. The well. The well is, that's where the life is. You will live. Hey, you're in the wilderness. That's a terrible place. But you'll live if you stay by the well. You'll live if you stay by the well. She sees this well. She's able to give water. Um, and I'm just trying, I'm looking at the, clock and I'm thinking about this this is exactly where Hagar himself this is how she was saved in chapter 16 wasn't it this is this well of life in the middle of the wilderness so she takes I'm kind of skipping just a little bit this water of life sounds a lot like the prophets Isaiah the well of salvation revelation the springs of the wells of water and so on So this is how you live in the wilderness. You find some good physical, tangible means like water. She takes that and gives to him to drink. Um, And then guess what happens? She, in verse 20, same language for Isaac, he now grows up, gets big, as it were. And um, as the, the last few verses of this section... He starts to sound and look like both Isaac and Abe. I love it. God was with the boy. He grew up. Well, that's Isaac. Okay, now, now you're, you're, he sounds a lot like Isaac. He grows up. He lives in the wilderness, became an expert with the bow. And then um, he lives in the wilderness of Paran. His mother takes a wife for him in the land of Egypt, which sounds like the cycle begins all over again because that's exactly what Abe... Papa Abe had to do. Sarah says, here's Hagar, take her for your wife. She's from Egypt, see how that goes. And guess what, the boy grows up, Hagar, Mama Hagar comes in and says, here's a wife from where I'm from, <laughs> from Egypt. This all sounds like a replay all over again, right? And the, and the Genesis world kind of rolls along, whoa. Am I going to have to go through this kind of sacrificial activity generation after generation, like ad infinitum, like again and again, in every age, time, and place of the church? Like, is that how it's going to go? Okay. We just have this. But all the while, Ishmael will look more like the Yitzhak he mocked by doing so. Is- Ishmael will look more like the Avi Raham the Abraham, by doing so, this whole business of sacrificing this whole business of killing in order to make a I'm moving fast, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Thoughts, questions? How are we doing? Things that jumped out or go ahead there, uh, Miss Lane? Jumping ahead a bit, but can you comment on the fact that, as you said, it's so strange that he, God acknowledges Ishmael as his son because he's also your offspring. But the very next chapter is take your son Isaac, your only son. Yeah. Isn't that something? So is now from the, church now, completely, or? the language, yeah, students really pick up on that one word, this beloved. Like, the only one you love in that particular way. And so if you say, and you, if you put it in English as your only son, it's kind of like, oh, well, no, that's not his only son. I suspect, Magda, that some translations are still okay with that in order to emphasize how special the son is. But at the same time, you're right. Wait. Ishmael's also a son, the language can be, the word is like beloved, as in the only one you love in this particular way. So only son in what sense? (laughs) Only son. He's the only one I love in that way. (laughs) Oh, okay. Right. And so sometimes, but you're absolutely right. It's kind of, the stakes are raised. I'm not trying to downplay the fact that when the sacrifice of Isaac comes around the next chapter, like that is, there's something that's... um, uh, summative about it, there's something that's kind of, it's, it, there's a culmination there like that's right um, and that language probably kind of gestures toward that like this is, this is there was a sacrifice of Ishmael before a sacrifice of Isaac but this is like this is the one of the promise like how is this going to work right, so there is the stakes are raised as you move along and that, that's definitely one indication Yeah. so
1: the, the punctuation
0: What does the uh, ESV do? Take
1: your son, your only son Isaac. Oh yeah. Whom you love.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I would probably go. Uh, let's see.
1: Or is it your only son Isaac? Or Yeah, your only son Isaac, whom you love.
0: I would say, uh, and he said, "Take now your son, your beloved one, whom you love." And again, the word is like, that's a. It's a particular, special, unique kind of love for one son and it's not, it's not the same there's another word you're that Hebrew has only for you're only one. if I wanted to say you're the one. only one to you there's a way to say that that's not used here right. but you're right that English translations might might, might I don't know fudge a little or have, have you put the, should we talk Abimelech for just a couple minutes oh Noah <laughs> Professor Hahn is with us go ahead <coughs> Yeah, oh yes, thanks. So
1: that's got to be a reason for that,
0: right? Yeah, so she's the one crying, right? I missed, sorry, I skipped all over that. Hagar's the one that's crying. It's pretty clear, right? And yet, um, I've heard the voice of the boy, right, or the lad, which sounds kind of odd. But I suspect. I suspect what's going on there is something along the lines of what Jordan brought up and that is the cry that's described here as use of the babies in Exodus, Moses and so on. I think it's the cry of the generations. That's the only way I can make sense of that because this cry is she is very clear she's the one that and yet there's something when you switch and say I heard the boy's cry it's like this what's happening here is actually transcending this one moment. It's like this is something that has significant eternal significance through the generations. The cry of your son. The cry of your son's sons. The cry of the boys in Moses. And the cry of the babies in Egypt. And the cry of Exodus 2. And the cry of my people in Exodus 3. And the cry of... I think that's the significance there. But you're absolutely right. It's She was the one making the cry. But I've heard the boys. I've heard the... I think that's, Genesis, I think that's consistent, I think, with Genesis and how it deals with the... Like Lot is the son of the brother. That's the, Lot is representative of... You're going to have brothers throughout Genesis. Son, descendant of the brother. Like, he's the tag-along, he's the, <laughs> the sojourner. It's that kind of, yeah, there's Abe, but this is going to, what I do with Abe is going to have implications throughout the generations. The son of the brother, right? And this kind of, the cry of your son, and so on. So I think that's, I think that's what's going on there. It's a great question. So yeah, that's Mr. That's huh? yeah. I wonder if sometimes we lose that a little bit. I mean, we think about our children, but really isn't the point of, this, our children, our children's children, to go on. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I, yeah, um, I mean, ten command sounds like ten commands. The third and fourth generation. These things that you know, kind of. I mean, on the sin side too, right? But also on the. Yeah, that's the whole point. Is that what is happening? Just as when God picks somebody in this chosen line, we like to say, it has immediate implications for the one who's not picked. If I can use that language, you know, for Ishmael and. Cain and whoever else, Esau, not Jacob, or uh, sorry, Esau instead of. Um, I think that's also the case. Is that this is. Abe, leave your land, and then what? He gets all the way down there, and then it's like, well, to your descendants, I'll give this land. Well, wait, I thought, <laughs> I thought it was my, you know, I thought it was my land. No, it's to your kids. Actually, so they're kids, kids, and then you know, <laughs> all right. so that's just kind of the nature of how this goes. Real quick on Abimelech. I love this Abimelech guy. He comes to the church. (laughs) Throughout Genesis, Abimelech, he's going to be mainly 20, 21, and 26, basically. And each time, he has sort of a different relationship with the church. In 20, he's totally sold. He's just, he just, that whole thing, the Lord came to him in a dream and this was an opportunity for repentance. And he preaches, people convert, he brings all kinds of tithes, servants, haggars to the church. It's an amazing thing. Ahimelech, Ahvi Melech, Abimelech, looked a lot like the Ah-V-Raha, Raham, Abraham. Now he, he's like Nicodemus here. <laughs> Rabbi, think John 3 for a minute. I see. We know something special is going on here. Nobody can do those signs unless God is with you. Sound familiar? Now this is what Abimelech does to the church. Now we know Abraham. God is with you in all that you do. There's something special going on here. Therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants after me, my offspring and progeny. Um, according to the Hesed, now that's a that's a righteous that's kind of a that's a that's a godly term. That's a God to us kind of term. But here Abimelech appeals to it like I've participated in this Hesed business. When you have this loving kindness, I've actually shown some of that as I've dealt that as as I've dished that out to you. Will you dish that out to me? If we're talking about Hesed, if we're talking about loving kindness. The kind of stuff that flows from steadfast love, Hesed, from above, deal. Okay, so Abraham swears to this. Okay, now, what happens immediately afterwards? And the reason I think it's put after this Hagar Ishmael narrative is what? Abimelech oversteps. Why? Because he seized, he cut off, he robbed the well of water that's the place of life that's the stuff of the church these are the well this language of wells of salvation in isaiah these are these are the things of the church these are the marks of the church we might be in a friendly agreement for the sake of hesed do not encroach do not touch hands off the stuff of the church this is going to be huge in 26 also and it's even worse because they have to fight over the first well they fight over the second well it finally gets the, the third well and it's okay Isaac you never know what kind of Abimelech you're going to have sometimes it's the Abimelech that says man that church has a lot of people in it <laughs> so I need that evangelical vote and I got to say a bunch of things to get it right or um, I don't like that church very much a lot of people and they're holding us back as a culture. And then there's a struggle over the first well, and a struggle over the second well, and a struggle. I, Isaac had it a lot worse than this, in 26. Abimelech, in this one, he oversteps, hands off the well. On the flip side, when Abraham reproves him about this, Abimelech says, I did not know this. You didn't tell me. And I have not heard about this until this day. Okay? Now, What's fascinating there, Luther sees fall on both sides. It's kind of fascinating. He thinks Abimelech like totally overstepped about the well. Hands off. You do not touch that stuff. Those are the marks of the church. That's, what, that's my language, not Luther's. But Don't mess with that. We will die on that hill, if you want to call it that way. Hands off. At the same time, Luther says Abe is rightly rebuffed because he didn't for Luther, he said he, for, he didn't Notify the government as soon as he could have uh, and entrusted or enlisted their help in a situation he could have. The government can only be as good as, um, how does he put it, Abe, the people make it out to be or something like that. If you're too negligent toward it, it'll actually backfire. They might, maybe some of this overstepping could have been prevented. Um, And so Luther sees a little bit of. It's kind of an even-handed chiding, you might say. A rebuff on both sides. Abimelech has no business with the marks of the church. Hands off, stay away. We will die on this. You better watch us. You know, that kind of thing. On the other hand, it's... Abraham, work out what you have to work out in order to safeguard the marks of the church. I don't care. It's a couple sheep. And, I mean, the next verse is what? Sheep and oxen? They're dumb sheep. Give them the sheep. Who cares? Um, Abraham... That's why the church prays for good and godly rulers and for peace and harmony that the gospel may prevail and so on. Do what you've got to do. Who cares? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it the oxen this time? Is it the sheep? So Abe take notice in the last chapter, Abimelech was given all the sheep and oxen. And now Abraham says, look, okay. Here's in verse 27, he gives them the sheep and the oxen. And they make a covenant. And Abe sets the terms, which is wise, with the seven ewe lambs. There's a lot, uh, we're out of time, there's a lot more to say here. But Abe Abe sets the terms here at the end of 21 for this covenant. The world's not going to get it, the significance of all this. These are sacrificial animals and so on. Um, So Abimelech asks about it. What does this mean? (laughs) Catechism, Thursday evening at 6, come on by. What are these lambs? And he does this, uh, like Mr. Hong was saying, he does this for the sake of the longevity. From here on out, everybody knows that I dug this well. Okay? Now, we'll learn in 26, it doesn't last. But Abe has no problem. Here, what is it going to take? You want some animals? Fine. So long as everybody now and moving forward knows, hands off this. Okay? This is our turf right here. This is our, these are our, our marks, you might say. I keep using that language. And they agree to that. And what happens? Because of that, those guys leave, go back to the Philistines, Abe plants a tree. He's always doing special things by a tree. And, and he calls there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. He worships. Like he made an agreement with the Abimelech of his day to allow him to worship in peace. All right. So there's a little both and... There's more to say about this, and I I know we've got to wrap it up. 26 is going to heighten all of this, like everything, the stakes will be raised. But the point here as you go along, the well is significant, just as Hagar and Ishmael, right? Life is at the well. You put this narrative right after it, and it's... This is the significance. This well is... We need to... We need to safeguard this, no matter what kind of Abimelech comes around. Um and again in 26 it's going to be even worse but it's not a guarantee It does, you know there's, there's all sorts of different abimelechs throughout the ages of the church and so that's I mean this is one look into how it might go um, this abimelech seemed to be okay overstep a little bit maybe Abe could have done a better job but we kind of worked that all out and there we have it um, but in both stories maybe I'll end with this in both stories you have this the sacrifices that need to be made for the sake of the things of the Lord, for the sake of the life that we have in Him, for the sake of the worship of the Lord, and so on. Okay, um, what else should we call today? Thoughts, questions? We're okay. We can. Should we give it a couple seconds to think about? It? <laughs> We're all right. Going once, going twice. Okay. Next week is the sacrifice of Isaac. I think pastors got that one. Let's close with a benediction. Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Have a good week.